Hello, my beautiful Women Inc. listeners. Welcome back. My guest this week is Corinne Comrie. She is the CEO and co-founder of Progressive Pelvic Floor Therapy Company, Origin. Every year, 40 million women suffer from issues relating to maternity, menopause, and sexual health that physical therapy can actually treat and heal. Yet it's not offered as part of the standard care provided by regimented doctor visits. Origin believes that every woman and individual with vaginal anatomy should have access to the care they need and feel good in their bodies. Of course, their goal is to make pelvic floor therapy part of the standard care provided to every woman and mother to feel their best while offering them the support they need. I loved this conversation. I feel like I say that every conversation, but I do. I love these conversations I get to have because one, I really knew very little about what physical therapy can do for the pelvic floor. I feel like these are the conversations I have with my friends of things, you know, we're struggling with and we're confused about and like, is this normal for you? But not something that I hear talked about in mainstream a lot. It's just like, women's health. And it's so important to have these conversations and to normalize, you know, just painful sex or whatever it is that you're going through that is actually quite normal that Corinne really breaks down. So I love that there's an industry that is just supporting women and their health through physical therapy. And Corinne is really at the forefront of that. This conversation was so inspiring. Um, Origin just had a huge acquisition by a major company in Texas. So she has a lot to celebrate, a lot to teach. And I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Now, let's get over to my conversation with Corinne. Welcome to the Woman Inc. podcast. This is the place for the new generation of women looking to lead the life of their absolute dreams. I'm your host, Jenna Toddy, entrepreneur, life coach, and strategist for modern businesswomen and entrepreneurs. I am a city girl, sriracha lover, and that friend who will hype you up when you forget how powerful you truly are. I am on a mission to make Women Inc. the most powerful network of women who are leveling up, owning what they want, and becoming who they've always wanted to be. Have you ever wondered what it would look like if you went all in on yourself? No turning back. If so, you are in the right place, my girl. Let's get started. Hi, Kareen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hello, and so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Okay, so I first have so many questions for you, but I am just very appreciative of the work that you do because I feel like women do not get adequate healthcare in general. And I have just had so many questions that I've had to consult Google that I feel like I should know about. (laughs) So I'm very grateful for what you do. It's insane. And honestly, it takes a village. There are so many innovations that are now finally coming to the forefront in women's health. And I think many people like us have been, you know, just in the dark for far too long. So happy to be a part of this, you know, massive shift that's happening. Yes. Okay. So can you first walk us through what Origin is, what you guys do? And then I want to kind of break down how you started getting into this work. Of course. So Origin offers physical therapy for the pelvic floor and whole body. And we treat patients through every stage of life from sexual health in your 20s. So if you might be having painful sex or incontinence uh, through maternity and menopause, 
And the problem that we're solving is just really extremely common. One in three adult women experience pelvic floor issues throughout their lifetime every year. And there's only about 5,000 providers nationwide. And so we're trying to make this care far more accessible, affordable, and um, we hope just you know more mainstream so that fewer folks are suffering in silence for too long. Yes. And I saw that insurance covers it, which is not always the case with physical therapy. So that's amazing. Yeah. It was one of our core values starting the business of how do we make sure this care is accessible because we want it to be affordable. About 80% of the providers who do this work today don't take insurance. And that's because it's really hard to work with insurance companies, um, especially if you're an independent provider. But we knew that if this was not covered by insurance, it gets relegated to the nice to have category in our lives. And this is a must have healthcare, you know, issue. Like we've completely normalized severe healthcare issues as things that, you know, can just, we can live with. Like the number of patients of ours who've been having incontinence where they leak and they can't control their bladders for decades or they're having painful sex for decades. It's like, it just doesn't make sense. Yes. And I just feel like people have learned to just accept the state they're in. They're like, yeah, this is just a problem I have where I don't know if this is like a generalization. I just feel like at least my like if my boyfriend's sick, I am like, he's the end of the world. And I just feel like men don't deal with the pain the same. I don't know if it's because like women have babies and we're just like expecting pain in our lives, but I feel like it's sad. I'm so happy you guys do this. Well, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of reasons why this hasn't been the norm to date. And one big piece of that is that there's just been a historic gender bias in medicine that has prevented both individuals from getting basic education about their bodies. Like the number of people who don't understand the difference between the vulva and the vagina, um, the sex ed, you know, classes that we get in school, like to your point, like we don't even know what normal looks like. And the research in women's health was so stagnant for so long until the 90s, you could do research on women's health issues only using male bodies. So we are so behind. So even providers haven't had data that they could rely on. Um, So you had this like medical bias problem. Obviously, the insurance industry was really lagging behind for a while. And then there's just this cultural, I think, history of not wanting to talk about private parts. And I'm using quotes like the down there. um, And it's changing. And I think social media is such a big part of that shift. Yeah. And I feel like Gen Zers are so open. Yeah. They are willing to talk about anything, which I love. So can you walk me through, how did you get started in this work? How did you, you know, come about co-founding this company? It's funny because I was never the sex person and (laughs) I was never, you know, a, a pelvic floor expert. I was, you know, pretty timid in that category growing up. But I had spent most of my career in healthcare and technology and, and Origins actually my fifth startup and the third venture back startup I've been working on and the first in this role. So I've loved building companies and especially in, in the healthcare space. And in 2018, I actually found myself in this really deep kind of body dissonance where I was just not connecting to my intuition, to my gut instincts. And a lot of it was suppressing years of physical pain and discomfort I'd had living, been living with painful sex for almost a decade, um, GI issues my whole life, and uh, was also in kind of a, a place in my life with work where I realized I just needed a minute. And so 
I pulled the plug on my life, moved back to LA, got, you know, involved in all the woo-woo things one does <laughs> in Los Angeles yes. and, and started reconnecting to myself. And um, mm. in that time, I caught up with um, an old friend who's now my co-founder and she had just had a baby and was experiencing all these issues postpartum that no one cared her for. And she was five months after giving birth and like still had these issues. And one of them was painful sex. And I said, oh, well, I've had painful sex forever and I never figured out why. And I went to all these different doctors and I had biopsies and they gave me all these creams and it still never resolved. And she told me that she was going to a pelvic floor therapist. And I said, what is your pelvic floor? And what are those words? I don't understand. Um, so we started <laughs> both getting care. And for the first time, you know, since my 20s, when this issue started, I had a diagnosis. I had a plan of care. It was like a lifeline for my sex life. Um, yes. But also, you know, beyond that, just to understand that this physical issue I was having was not going to be a forever thing mm. was so liberating and, and um, helped me really reconnect to other parts of my body. Because I think when you're in pain for that long, you just, you shut off and you kind of yes. tune out. And so we both got obsessed and started talking to that clinical team. And that was really the founding of Origin. We ended up actually partnering with that clinical team. And, and that became the basis for how we thought about, um, you know, getting this kind of care to many more people around the country. Incredible. And you come from a marketing background, right? Yeah. So a lot of my roles in other startups were marketing, leadership, sales, customer success. So I'm kind of obsessed with thinking about, you know, the customer experience and the patient experience. And, you know, we took a very brand centric approach to building origin. Uh, and to me, it's not just because I, you know, love beautiful things, although I do. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you talk about something that is historically so stigmatized and there's so much shame and discomfort in these conversations, we have to make this feel like a luxury. Like you want to walk into the clinics and feel like, oh, I can finally, you know, breathe and I'm safe here and this is the place for me. Or you when you go online, you want to see, you know, real talk and you want it to be, you know, funny and have a personality, but also clinical. And so, you know, for us, it's actually part of the therapy to think about, you know, marketing and branding. Yeah. And I can tell, I love the branding of Origin. I feel like oh, you've done, you. you guys have done an exceptional job and it's something you don't think about is like acquiring customers on the e-commerce side, but it's almost like acquiring patients is, I think used to be so word of mouth. And now there's like this new wave of like building a brand behind healthcare, which I think is so important. How do you feel like when someone finds you guys, right? And what, however they find you through a friend or through online, what is generally the reaction you're getting from women or from, I guess, women? Do you only have women patients? Well, so we treat um, patients who identify as women, but really right. anyone with vaginal anatomy and um, with also treating lot. patients. Yeah, exactly. Patients who are also <laughs> maybe transitioning. Um, so yeah. we're, we're kind of experts in vaginal anatomy. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's really two types of patients that we often see. There's the patient who has been living in pain and suffering for far too long. And it is like, finally, you yes. know, we found, I found, I found my place. And, um, you know, I finally have a provider who's listening to me, who's not diminishing my experience and who can really help me on this healing journey. And so that I think 
is really common, especially for folks who've maybe been living with pelvic pain for a long time, endometriosis, maybe have had birth injury that just everyone, you know, suppressed for a long time. And then there's also the patient who's just like, I want to know my body and I don't even know what normal looks like. And, you know, maybe I'm pregnant or maybe I'm preparing for this, you know, new phase of my life and I want to prepare my body for whatever is going to go through next or um, take more preventative action. And so, you know, in both cases, we are really education centered because that's, you know, usually a big gap for many patients, myself included. But, you know, I think you can kind of come from both sides of the spectrum and hopefully, you know, get meaningful value out of the experience. Yeah. So, so you went to this physical therapist and you guys decide, let's build this yeah. business together. How did you start? Like, what were some of the first steps you took towards making this a real business? It's a great question. And I kind of blacked out the early days because it was, you know, a little so bit hard. hard as yeah. many founders know. I know the okay. first year is just a slug, but I'll, I'll go back here for the sake of normalizing the early founder journey. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was 2018, 2019, so pre-COVID. And, you know, a lot of the very early days was just learning. I'd spent a lot of time in healthcare, in digital healthcare, but not in physical therapy and not in um, this specific type of also in-person care delivery. And so, you know, really like I was sitting at the front desk with the team. I was understanding their workflows. Um, we were starting to bring, you know, more of our brand and ethos and technology to the team and the company so we could build a platform for scale. Um, but a lot of it was just learning and, and watching and trying to not mess it up because, um, you know, the clinical team was so strong. We really wanted to understand before we started changing things. And uh, early days, it was uh, self-funded with me and my co-founders and then also brought on some friends and family. Um, and it was really a few years before we brought on any institutional investors. And that actually happened post-pandemic, which is, you know, ironic because, uh, you know, the world changed so much. but. I think the landscape for women's health also changed and people started to realize, you know, women have bodies that have unique needs that <laughs> have not been met for a very long time. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of nuts and bolts operations and just like the brass tacks of, of healthcare delivery, which is really complex and important to not mess up. You know, I think you've got a lot of grace in other types of companies, but when you talk about patient safety and intimacy and these types of real issues, like the stakes are really high. So that was really important for us. Um, and then obviously the pandemic changed everything, which we can go into, but that was a, a whirlwind. <laughs> yeah, completely. And that's such a good point. I think anything clinical or anything where there's high regulation, you are becoming a, not only a founder of a new business, but you have to put on like this entirely new educational uh, understanding, right? Of everything that goes into building that business. Totally. Well, and, you know, I think in parallel, and now that I'm like really tapping back into that time, there's a lot of just value setting and, you know, philosophy around who do you want to become that it's kind of hard to create the time to do, but it's so important. So even the work of building a brand, like I don't think about the brand as marketing. The brand is the foundation. It's your identity. It's how we show up every day as front desk or as PTs. And, and so there was a lot of just like that dialogue with the team to understand like how do we articulate who we are so that you know we can make this just more accessible right and it's your story so that's it's just true to yeah. you and right so once you start building this company what was the point where you felt like okay 
we're on a path. Like we know what we're doing. People are coming. We have patience. We're helping people. Was there a point you remember where you started to feel confident? You know, I think it was post COVID and actually when we launched the brand. So we had been operating for a while kind of under a, a different brand and it was just kind of the day to day and COVID happened and it was obviously a whirlwind because most of our care was in person at the time. So we had to launch a telehealth business overnight. And yeah. that was insane because at the time, most PT was never done virtually. So we didn't know like how to do this well. Is it going to work? And yeah. um, <laughs> and insurance companies weren't even paying for it in the beginning. So it was like, you know, that was wild. And so I think... One, getting through that initial phase, understanding that so much of what we do can be delivered virtually, and then launching the brand into the world and seeing this reaction of like, finally, like this is so... I think the best feedback I got was like, yes, this is so obvious. It's so needed. I was like, yeah, you want something obvious, right? And that resonance that, you know, we told our stories, me and my co-founder and I got so many emails from strangers just being like, me too. Like I've experienced this type of issue. I was, you know, I wish I had found PT earlier. It's kind of saved me later on in life. And that really struck a chord and just kind of helped reinforce that we were on the right track. And I I was walking in my neighborhood at the time. It was like, you know, May 2020. So still the dark days (laughs) of the pandemic. And I just like found myself crying on the corner. I was like, we did it. You know, it's, we're just in the beginning, but (laughs) you know, like, okay. I can pause for one day and celebrate that like this is resonating. That's just a huge undertaking. And I mean, I can so just be there with you in that moment. Imagine because one, not only are you launching a new business that you've never launched before, but the telehealth and all of a sudden not having, being able to even serve customers in person or patients, I guess, in person, that would be a whole nother level of challenge. I can't imagine. Oh, it was insane. And we had actually planned to only launch the brand later that year, we were in the middle of constructing a 4,000 square foot clinic in Brentwood, right? So like that was delayed, obviously, because of the pandemic. <laughs> I, was yes. like, I might have taken a smaller space, but it's now gone really well. But it was all this very fast, like we need to see this in the world and we're not going to wait. And it kind of, it worked. So it felt really good. When it comes to growth, when you have in-person locations, which are traditionally very hard to scale, How have you looked at scaling this business and growing your team and doing it in a way where you're not taking on too much risk, but you're not saying no to opportunities? So we view ourselves a little bit differently as an omni-channel business. So we know that some patients need in-person care, but we also have learned just how effective telehealth can be and just how much of the therapy is is not hands-on the body, but it's actually education and therapeutic exercise. So we try to meet patients where they are and you know, for a lot of people, like they don't want to come into a clinic twice a week. Like they want to be able to do this from the comfort of their home. And so that's been, you know, both a challenge, but a huge opportunity to build both at the same time. So that's kind of core. And with the clinics and just in general, we really believe in being centered on the highest quality clinical care, which means if we're entering a new market, ideally we want to partner with whoever is the expert in that market Um, And we've been doing that as we've been growing. So in LA, we started with that clinic here in SF. We built a clinic around someone named Liz Miracle, who's one of the best in the industry and is a huge educator in the space. In Austin, we've partnered with a clinic there and, you know, are bringing them into the origin family. And so for us, it's, it's really about finding the clinical leaders in every market and, and ideally supporting 
also these amazing business leaders and clinicians who, you know, share our vision, but maybe don't have the capital or the energy or the ability to do this on their own. And so we think about this more as a collective effort. That's incredible. I didn't realize how you had, I didn't realize you could do this via telehealth. That's an incredible business. And also just opportunity for like women to heal from their home. You know, it's, it's so powerful. And again, when COVID started, we had never done it via telehealth before. So we were forced into this pilot experiment. And I, I don't mean to diminish the, the benefits of in-person care in certain settings, but about 80% of the diagnoses we treat can be treated virtually. And you know, sometimes you'll need that manual therapy or we want that manual therapy. I think in today's time, I like, we crave human connection and touch. So there's a lot of folks who still want to come into the clinic. But you know, for many, it's like, I have no time. <laughs> I can't, you know, find childcare. Like, I just need to be able to do this work. And I think also, which was really interesting for us, some of our patients have experienced sexual trauma. And the idea of doing intimate pelvic floor therapy in person, you know, is a challenge, is a barrier. And so when you can do it from your home, when there's no hands on, it's a really amazing way to get started and to actually regain that kind of comfort with yourself before you introduce, you know, additional support. Why would you say, because you said something that I can't shake and I've just been like thinking about in the back of my head, but just how out of touch women are with their bodies. I can totally relate to that. Like, I feel like for so long, I was just like, what is happening with my body? And I would like, yeah, I don't know. I just, it's not normalized to talk about and so many changes as you get older. What is something you found that has helped women come back to connecting with their bodies? Like, is there something that anyone listening can do that's just like a pragmatic thing um, that can help them start to reconnect with themselves? Yeah, it's such an important question. And, and honestly, I've been going down a really deep rabbit hole on the research on you know, the brain-body connection and as someone who's had, you know, gut issues, just learning how much of that information is flowing between our gut and our brain. You know, we, we're not taught that way. <laughs> um, no. So I think it's critical and I can't speak for others, but, you know, for me, I was just completely disconnected. And I think there's a lot of othering that happens to women from a very young age um, around body. And so, you know, we almost disassociate, or at least I did in that way. In terms of the tools, um, there's a field of research called interoception which is really how do we understand our own body sensations and how do you tune into those sensations? And it could be as simple as like, you know, my fingers feel cold right now or I'm noticing a flutter in my chest. And just generally our own sensation awareness is actually correlated to not only better health outcomes because we understand ourselves better, but also correlated to intelligence in some ways. You know, there's some studies that show that financial traders who know their own heartbeat can make better decisions in that regard. Wow. Um, and so it's really interesting. And I think, you know, there's tools like mindfulness meditation or yoga or practices like that that can help you, you know, just connect to that feeling um, or just body scans. So there's lots of different tools that just help you realize, oh, I'm in my body right now, you know, even as we're talking. Um, I probably should have breathed before we started this, you know, conversation. So exactly, everyone listening, take a deep breath and feel deep it in breath. your diaphragm. So I think that's one really helpful embodiment kind of system and, and philosophy. I also think if you're a heady person, you know, like I am and was, just understanding your own anatomy is another vehicle in. So it's still a mental model, but, you know, having this idea of like, 
I have this whole part of my body called the pelvic floor and it's responsible for holding up my organs <laughs> and blood flow and, you know, like sexual function and just understanding this sense of our body that we've really diminished and not talked about. It's like, it's as important as your back or your legs, right? It's just an entire body part that we, we don't talk about. Um, I think understanding anatomy and just, just our own bodies can be really part of a, a healing and reconnecting process too. Yeah, that's amazing. And I can't believe we're recording this today. <laughs> this is obviously not planned. I know. <laughs> <sighs> but I feel like I, we have to talk day. about it. And, you know, you can, I know it's, you can comment or not comment, but I, you know, Roe versus Wade was overturned today. And I just feel this like heaviness. And do you feel like that? I mean, just anyone having the power to decide what we do with our bodies? Do you feel like that is there's some sort of like studies or connection to women feeling disconnected from their bodies as far as it being like talked about and voted on without really their consent? Oh, such a great question. I don't know about the research there, but I think it's a very, you know, strong hypothesis. And there is a lot of research. Um, there's a really interesting team at uh, UNC that's looking at kind of perspectives of, of body and female identity and um, how we perceive ourselves and the mental health outcomes there and kind of that othering concept and that dissonance. So I would not be surprised if this exacerbates a feeling of, you know, lack of control because frankly it is, you know, we are having a lot of people make decisions um, that will really negatively impact not only our physical health and our well-being, um, and particularly for marginalized communities, but also mental health because if you feel a threat um, that you cannot control your own, you know, anatomy, your own physicality, but then also your own economic future, um, that is really, that can be disassociating and demoralizing on so many levels. So yeah, I, I'm going to look into that research. I'm curious to see if there's something there, but um, you know, today, right now, I, I wish I had answers, but right now I'm just, just pretty angry. Angry. I can't believe this is the day that we're talking about this. Yeah, I feel you. And it's really upsetting. And obviously, our it's like 98% of women that listen to this podcast, um, hence the name. But yeah, I, I think that it's important to know that we're all together. And I feel like no matter what your beliefs are, I think it's really important that women like are connected to their bodies no matter what. And um, I think the work yeah, you're doing is just exactly. so important for that. Yeah. And you know, regardless of that, the politics, I think we've been living in the dark just around the data, around the scope of women's health issues. And that goes back to the research gap that's been existing for so long. There's five times the number of studies around erectile dysfunction than there is on female sexual pain. And, you know, that's just a sliver. And so, you know, while I am upset and shocked, I'm still not because we've been living in this world for, you know, a long time. Wow. That's, that's not surprising at all, but just crazy to hear. That's really, yeah. really crazy to hear. So I guess when it comes to research, right? And when you when you are, I'm sure for your job, you're having to do a lot of research to find out not just like what it, what the science is saying and what the data is saying to what you guys are doing to with bodies and physical therapy, but also like new trends and things that are coming out. What do you feel like is something that holds this work back as far as like data or funding? Like, is it? less funded. Is it harder to get this research done or funding to be given because this isn't something that everyone has to deal with, that it's like a smaller segment and maybe 
a lot of men can't relate. There has been historically less research on the efficacy of pelvic floor therapy, just as an example. Um, kind of this treatment, which is still proven as the first line evidence-based treatment for so many of these healthcare issues. But that said, like the evidence is really sparse. And in a few years, we've amassed more data and clinical data than, you know, has existed in all the trials combined. And that's amazing in terms of, you know, the work that our team has done, but also just speaks to today's reality. And so I don't know that, you know, this is happening in all aspects of women's healthcare. And I think for a long time, when people talked about women's health, they just equated it with fertility, right? And that was the only field that was getting funding. Um, Really, you know, even when we started the business, a few folks told me that they thought pregnancy was a niche industry. And I was like, well, a lot of people got here via, you know, fraternity. (laughs) And so uh, it was, it was just, you know, a reminder of, I think the data really matters. And And I'm a big believer in that, you know, we are what we measure. And so you do need that data to start shifting the conversation. I will say that insurance companies are more willing to talk about this kind of therapy. And they understand that if you have birth injury, for example, and you don't treat it for, you know, 10 years, like you might be at a higher risk of needing a surgery later on in life. Um, So there's real, not just health outcomes, but economic outcomes that we can impact. Right. They're like, we will not have to pay for that surgery. So let's prevent that surgery. Amazing. Exactly. So what is something that you're most excited about in growing Origin? You know, for me, it's really about the number of people who don't need to live in pain anymore. You know, I was experiencing this issue for almost a decade. And in the scheme of what I experienced, it's a fraction of what others have, have dealt with. And anything we can do just to increase access to this care whether they, you know, patients end up at origin or elsewhere, you know, for me, it's really about normalizing the conversation, letting people know they have pelvic floors and talking about, you know, PT for your vagina. Like no one really knew that that was a thing. Um, And so I think that kind of just, I'd say conversational shift is really critical and mission aligned for me. And we're also, you know, continuing to expand how we deliver that care virtually too, which, you know, is part of that access piece as well. I love it. I want to be a patient now that I don't have to fly to California. Uh (laughs) I'm doing it virtually. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Kareen. I'm just very blown away by what you've built. And I think it's so important. My last question for you is, what is your number one piece of advice for a woman who's wanting to start her own business? Oh, number one piece of advice. I'm going to think about this one for a sec. Yes. You know, I got a piece of advice um, actually before I started my own business that really stuck with me. And it was when I was um, a pretty young VP at a venture back company in New York and was feeling a bit of that imposter syndrome that I'm sure many of the listeners, you know, have experienced. And the the metaphor um, that this coach I was working with at the time, you know, said was, you know, Kareen, you're sitting at this table and there's a chair and it is your chair, but you're not sitting in the chair. You're standing behind the chair. So sit in the chair or someone else will. And wow. it was this really kind of like amazing visual reminder for me that, you know, like it was already mine. And I just, I was kind of limiting myself and in, in stepping into that. And so I think especially in the early days, it can feel daunting. And there's so much good startup advice out there. So, you know, I won't try to repeat all of it. But if you have a deep conviction that what you are building matters, which, you know, you probably do if you're taking the time to 
to build a business, just, you know, sit in your chair and own it and and then be honest with yourself when things are not, you know, working well as well. So it's so good. It was already yours. You just had to sit in it. Oh my gosh. I'm going to think about that for a while. That's really, exactly. really good. Amazing. Yeah. I'll give that credit to, um, to Jerry Colonna. So he is an Perfect. amazing coach and just I got it out. an hour with him. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much. Where can everyone find you? Yeah. So uh, we are online at theoriginway.com and on Instagram, LinkedIn, all of it is The Origin Way. And we are right now available in California, New York, and Texas for one-on-one PT virtually and expanding um, every month. So uh, if you need anything, we'll find you on the internets. And we have a lot of free educational resources too. So if you have still no idea what your pelvic floor is after listening to this and you're like, what is she talking about? Go online and... um, (laughs) Start start reading on the blog and there's a lot of really good content there. Yes. Stop having painful sex. No one should have painful sex. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Amen. <Love> Amen. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kareen. It was so wonderful to meet you. Thank you so much, Jen. I appreciate it. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode and are feeling so fired up to go out there and create that business or side hustle that's been on your to-do list, you know, a little bit longer than you care to admit. It is never too late to make the first step towards the life you want more than anything else. If you haven't already, make sure you are subscribed to the show so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep becoming the woman of your wildest dreams.